Come listen to Dice for Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling. There are still fish that swim in the rivers of the world. Muddy, round perch that flop and writhe, coated in thin oils. Your grandmother tells you stories of thick pike with teeth that could sever a monocarbon line with a flick. You've seen pictures of reefs with dozens of different species and colors. Busy patterns moving in stressful, choking throngs of life. Today the reefs are made of cinder block and barnacles instead of colony's coral. The empty shells of decommissioned net police in the ocean provide homes for the hungry eels and squid that were hardy enough to survive the collapse. Before you were born, the oceans cooked. There was a tipping point, and a flashball. An extinction rocked the waters of the world and changed everything. Land that was once used for large-scale agriculture gave way to solar paneling and acres of turbines. These cities of wind and sun ripped the last drops of fossil fuels from dying gritty hands, but it was too late. The only pack left in the world now collect dust, stuff the museums. The only sturgeon still whole sit dead out of water. Or so they say. You've heard stories, though. Stories of rich idiots who keep luxurious aquariums and living fossils as status symbols. You have a friend who works catering who could have sworn they saw a real live lionfish once. What's up, variables and Patreons, and then future live variables, as this will eventually make its way back onto the main feed. Dennis here, uh, with the first of hopefully many Patreon-exclusive reviews, so we at Control Pod get a lot of requests because we're cool POC and queer creators who test systems, and we find a lot of indie devs who are cool and POC and queer who want us to test our systems. Unfortunately, we are very busy, we have a big backlog, and there's only so much I can do. But if you head on to our Patreon, we have a specific tier. If you donate $5, we'll test out any system you want. If there's anything you're dying to see us do, we'll test it out. And this is what this episode is exactly. I'm talking about... This is a game about fishing. A queer eco-punk game about belonging outside and belonging by Riverhouse Games. That intro was straight from the system itself. I, I really enjoyed the prose there, so I thought I'd just read that with some smooth backing tunes. But here we are. I'm essentially how these will work is that since I can, it takes too long to make a series and put it out there. What I'll do for the lovely Patreons that donate to us is that I'll review the system as fast as I can, give it ample time to think about it. So this episode serves as a review until we can get around to playtesting it in the podcast itself. This is kind of like a, even a pre episode zero for everything. 
shout out to Riverhouse Games. I had a, one of my favorite interviews I've had as a podcaster. I really I asked some really genuine questions that I really, really enjoyed. So I thought I'd turn it around and give some ample thought to their system. This is a game about fishing. So this is a TTRPG that doesn't function like a lot of the ones you'll see on our feeds. You know, we test a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games, you know, 2D6. This one functions a lot in the same way that it's a narrative game, but it's it's quite different. The first thing I want to shout out is kind of something we always look at when we look at our system. It's the, the language, the ideas that are presented in the very beginning of the system. And here, Riverhouse Games has presented us a lovely post-apocalyptic queer cottage core aesthetic from the beginning. That's what it's about. It's about getting together. Um, even on like the first page, we, we get the the first couple pages, we get the instructions to be silly, be weird, be gay, do crime, which is what we're always looking for <laughs> in these TTRPGs. And why we stray away from other big name TTRPGs because they don't allow us to do the same kind of things. As mentioned before, you can kind of get from that that little prologue. We're in a kind of dystopic situation in which we're we're trying to find the the new life it's kind of a, a found family but the family is the earth to an extent and as i mentioned before it's a very narrative based game so riverhouse games does a great job of laying out how to work a narrative based games it's when you want to do something you say you do it and you can do it and before we even get there, we have our lovely Session Zero, kind of our safety nets from a system. And what I wanted to highlight here is that we're all kind of familiar with the X card um, from our other TTRBGs, especially on our podcast here. And we've seen, you know, to date this episode recently, um, Evil Hat Productions had introduced a Roll20, you know, the pause, play, rewind cards for safety tools on Roll20. And even from the get-go, Riverhouse Games also establishes that in a kind of unique way I've seen, which is establishing a rating, much like you do in, what are they, the NPRR ratings that go before movies. Um, so you can establish in your session zero, all right, this game's going to be a Peach game, super light, or a PG-13. You get one, I think it's one fuck, or, or a mild sexual situation. That can include the upper half of the female anatomy, I believe. And then, you know, R, if you want to go in that, that grimy, <laughs> post-apocalyptic, cyberpunk 2099. I didn't I play the game. What am I trying to pretend? Another thing is much like uh, Strings and Veils are the yes and no. You and your players can create a little T-chart. One side has yes, one side has no. You put all the things you'd like to talk about in the campaign in the yes, and anything you just don't want to bring up, put it in the no. And the Riverhouse Games does a great job of setting the scene. As we know, it is a dystopia, so we know a lot of a lot of no's can go in that column there, but they end it all, which I really love, is with the key point of hope. Is that despite all of this, it's about hope. The bad guys will get what's coming to them. And the queer people should feel victorious, which is a line straight from the system itself. The system has moves, uh, not traditionally like we'd seen in a, a PBTA game that we usually test on the podcast. They're, they're shared moves, which are lash out, break the law, 
score big, and go fishing. Which is good, because the system is called This is a Game About Fishing, and if fishing weren't at its main component, a, a basic move that everyone should have, you'd be kind of fucked up, wouldn't it? So instead of rolling, essentially what you do is once you get to these these big moves, you kind of state that you're doing it, and then you find a resolution. And we'll get to that in just a bit, but after you find your resolution, you kind of mark one of the basic moves, those four basic moves, until you've run through all four, which also kind of gets our players in a nice little pattern. They know that, like, okay, however long your session is, you can kind of divvy it into fourths, because you've got four big major moves that you can make throughout the the session, or even throughout your entire campaign that you slowly want to move through, since it's narrative-based. You don't always have to make moves. You don't always... We've done sessions where we never make a roll. I feel like this could this could work the same exact way. So as far as resolutions, they're kind of the you know, what happens after you complete the move. You know, typically when we play a Powered by the Apocalypse or PBTA game, you know, whatever you roll kind of dictates these resolutions. Sometimes they're called soft moves and hard moves for the person that runs the game. So some examples are. You always leave your mark, you get away clean, you impress a bystander, you burst into tears. Uh, it starts a fire, which I love. You fall in love for a time. So these are the, the, the end of the move. This is what happens. And once you've completed all four, you wipe it again. And then you have a, a sort of reminder, if I understand the system correctly. You have a kind of reminder of what happened the last time you can kind of do it again, or you can try for a different result. But this system, like most of our PBTA system, has playbooks. I got a solid amount of playbooks. I mean, whenever I create a system, I, I try to do eight. Eight at least. And then I feel like that's that's good. And I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I think I accidentally scrolled back up while I was doing that. There are roughly 12, I think, <laughs> going back into this. And these, and these playbooks are kind of loose in the sense that since there are no stats, there are no real failures that can come of it. Like, of course, when you get to a resolution, something bad can happen out of it as you're all talking as a group about the situation, but you don't, you know, roll a six and then, you know, get a hard move made against you. So these these playbooks generally set more of the idea, the oeuvre, the archetype of your character a little bit more than traditional ones would. Because instead of, you know, moves, you kind of fix, you kind of pick what makes up your character incomplete? For example, we'll start with the Rod and Reel, which is the, the first playbook going from the system itself. It says you're the leader, the one everyone looks up to. When it's time to act, you're the one who comes in with a clutch cast. <laughs> that responsibility is great, though, and it's tough to keep your head up when you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Sometimes you just want to take a break, but... When you look out at the rest of the game, you know if you let out some slack, you'll never pull in your catch. So you stay at it, and keep on reeling in. Then, like many PBTAs, you kind of get your, your choice between your name, your look, and your clothes. 
Some examples are a long and lanky look, or a, a posh and polished look, some clothes, sun hat and overalls, tracksuit, flannel. And then, as I mentioned before, you're kind of what you get to pick. So, for example, you can choose, you have polarized sunglasses, really great if you're working out um, in the sun a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, more line than you'll ever need, spray paint, a handful of sharp lures. The phone number of a cutie you met last night. See, those things can really set up a character. Um, you also get a a fancy high-tech fishing rod that doubles as a grappling hook or tether. Which is great because when I go into, you know, a fishing RPG, I'm also like, mm, how can I also be Batman? And this, this playbook really does it for me. <laughs> Most of the playbooks come with uh, specific questions that you ask yourself. Um, they help you kind of generate your general backstory. So the Rod and Regal has, what is the one that got away? What are you trying to catch? Why do they all look up to you? These are very big things that you should establish as your character uh, before the session goes. They also have, they also have playbook specific moves that work a little bit differently than you'd see in PBTA, so they it's another set of four moves that you get yourself. So, for example, the Rod and Reel has when you tell someone what to do, when you strut your stuff, when you reach out to a contact, and when you cast into the void. Yeah. <laughs> to date it, we're, we're, we're just rolling through our, our Monster Hearts 2 uh, playthrough right now, so we've got a lot of uh, gazing into the abyss, um, looking into the void. Um, I think when you cast into the void is a very fun interpretation of where that, that move comes from. <laughs> Cause it, it makes sense that you're, it's more, it's more literal than it is in the, the other systems where you're, you're looking into this mystical force. In this system, the, the ocean canonically is kind of this barren wasteland where you don't know what you're gonna get. But then you can take it figuratively when you're, figuratively when you're trying to figure out you know, what's going on? What can I find in this great void? So I love that. They also have questions. If you get stuck, if you feel like you're running into a place where you don't know what to do with this character, what's what's going on? So these questions like, what snag does your plan run into? Or what can you see under the surface? Or why does this situation remind you of the one that got away? Very heavy emphasis on the one that got away, which is a wonderful trope. So I'd love to use that. There are also playbooks in this system that were created by other people, I believe, uh, Patreons as well. So we have the Pinbone by Ben Roswell. Other people catch the fish, you just dress them. Tenderly remove their guts and bones and scales till they can feed your family. Other people love to fish, but they don't love that fish themselves like you do. You seem harsh and stern, but... That's because other people see the devastation wrought on rivers and oceans. Only you see the corruption growing inside the fish themselves. You open your kitchen to your friends and wrap them in your arms, but all the time you plot. One day you will cut the poison from the world just as you do from the organs and flesh, and you will be there to heal the fresh wounds afterwards. I, uh, that one got a little bit scarier than I thought it was. <laughs> Uh, got butcher at your local shop has undertones. He's not just making you a, a, a ham on rye. He's ridden the world of pig evils. <laughs> so 
So much like the 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 rod and reel, you also have your questions. So what is your favorite meal and why is it out of your reach? Who do you blame for the problems facing your community? What rule do you always follow that will happen if you break it? Yeah, I had mentioned that the rod and reel was kind of Batman, but maybe maybe the pin bone is. You know, the seedy underbelly that they that they see that no one else can, that but they can fix it. They they have the moves to do so. Their specific playbook moves have like when you when you cook for your community, when you cut something open, when you tell somebody a harsh truth, when you examine something closely. Now I think I got what the pinbone reminds me of, and it's more it's not a Batman, it's a Dale Gribble from King of the Hill. It's a it's a, a questioner, an examiner, or like the question from DC Comics, you know, there are there are conspiracy theories that are out there because they're true, you know? Here are some of the the questions you can ask the pinbone, you know, if you ever get stuck while you're playing. What is the quickest cut I can make here? Who here needs protecting? What here is poisonous or corrupting? So it's all about a kind of guiding light, kind of like a, a paladin in their traditional fantasy senses, that you want what's most holy, what's most right, and you know how to get there. Another interesting playbook is the storybook, which was created by Fabi Garza. The stories of the great oceans, the wild lakes, the dangerous depths, and such are considered lost to almost everyone, but not to you. These stories have passed down to you, whether by community, family, or happenstance. Some say that your stories are nothing but folk tales, and some may be, but that doesn't make them untrue. Now is the time to share those stories and make everyone remember. So a lovely a lovely playbook for a post apocalypse. This is <laughs> this is what I think would happen in a post apocalypse. I know I mean, to be honest, you know, should an apocalypse happen, variables and everyone listening, I'm, I'm outy, I'm gone, you know, the first, the first week at least, um, myself, I'll take the bus, I'll catch the bus if you, if you catch my drift, um, but should it seem like a livable apocalypse, you know, like a current one, uh, where the heat wave is affecting the world and, uh, global warming is starting to slowly, uh, melt us, really. I feel like I would take on the storybook element. I, I would I would keep all the stories I have, the, the fun knowledge I have, and all of the, the TTRPGs I've learned over the years, and bottle them inside and remember them so I can, you know, help everyone as we're, I guess, underground is probably our next step. I don't I don't really trust the billionaires to get us to space, so I think we're gonna we're gonna be a mole species relatively soon. <laughs> Here are some questions to ask the storybook before you begin playing. How did you learn the stories? How do you keep the stories alive? What's your favorite story to tell? You know what, actually, I'm gonna for this one, I'm gonna pretend I'm making the character itself, like I said. Like it's me myself. I'll try to do it as it's me. So I gotta choose a name. And they have name options here, so I'm going to play with that, even though I'm sure you're free to pick your own name. My options are Reader, Writer, Orator, Destiny, and Swinyo. I really love the idea of having a, a fun, kind of nebulous title for someone who just remembers things when the world goes tits up, you know? So I, I like the Orator. You can refer to me as the Orator. As far as a look, 
cold and compromised, painted and plentiful, fatigued and friendly. So if we're modeling this character um, after me, I think painted and plentiful uh, could work in a sense, I think, in the way that I like to, to wear bright colors. And I'm chubby, so that's the plentiful. Uh, I think fatigued and friendly is probably a little bit closer to the truth. As far as clothes, we have flowing robes, handmade dress, worn lucky coat. If it were me in the apocalypse, I would most definitely run out the last hot outfit I had left. I'd put on very something, something just killer, very sexy, and I would wear that out through the apocalypse. I'd turn into a cartoon character. You'd see the orator every goddamn day in that fit. I get to choose three little items. Um, one of them is anxiety, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one. Sense of two D, caring eyes, big ears, and impulse to and impulse to overshare. I'm also gonna take that one. And then I think I think I'm gonna do one for me. I'm gonna do a small and fuzzy pet that lives in your pocket. I would. I don't know if they'd be tiny enough to fit in the pocket. I might have to change the 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 writ of that one to be the spirit. I'd love to just like run out this apocalypse with like an otter. I think a fun exotic animal that you couldn't have in the shitty real non-apocalypse world. You know, it's kind of it's still apocalypse world, but the the shitty make-believe apocalypse world we're talking about right now. So I'd love to have an otter with me. I'd name him um. I'd name him Atticus, after Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. I also have a relic that reminds me of a story you will never tell. Ooh, spicy. Uh, thanks for chipping into the Patreon or listening to this episode. You're getting Dennis lore. <laughs> I would keep... I've got this little... This little... This little uh, Winnie the Pooh pin. And I think I, I'd keep that around. How did I learn my stories? Uh, the internet, uh, just generally being bored as a child and lonely, and I just tried to learn as much as I can, uh, because I realized that when you are able to espouse a lot of random knowledge or pertinent knowledge, uh, people tend to keep you around. How do I keep the stories alive? Probably repeating them, telling them as much as possible. I think even in the, the post-apocalypse, I'd, I'd try to start some kind of podcast, you know? Is it... I've got a wild take for you here, and I need you to, to really follow me on this one. Were the Greek philosophers the first podcasters? Now sit with that for a minute. Just think. Ponder. No, don't, don't say anything yet. Just think about, just think about it, okay? People from around Greece came by, what are they talking? They're probably bored, so maybe daily, maybe weekly. You, you go to the Acropolis, the Pantheon, you know, you, you'd sit down in an amphitheater, and you listen to just <laughs> a white dude, not really, aggressions are pretty dark-skinned, but you'd, you'd watch a, a Greek dude just kind of mansplain to you, and isn't that the prototypical podcast? <laughs> What's your favorite story to tell? Hey, Variables, it's actually future Dennis cutting in because I did a stupid story originally. I thought about it while editing it, and actually, I would just... I would just recant the tell of a bunch of animes. I would just be like, hey, uh, it's the future, it's the apocalypse, here's Death Note, here's Yu Yu Hakusho, here's Assassination Classroom. That's That would be my favorite story to tell. 
and then maybe like to kill a mockingbird because hopefully in the apocalypse racism is gone question mark hopeful parentheses so uh, those are some of the playbooks that can be found and this is a game about fishing there are a lot of them i miscounted them but there are still a lot of them and past that we also have situations which i also think is a great tool that any writer of a ttrpg can hand to the possible players and possible runners of this game what it does is it functions as hey here are some situations that you can run if you don't have any ideas so we have things like the Echoes of the Extinct, the Capitalist Cathedrals, the Offshore Robin Hoods, the Found Family, which I feel like is a little redundant. Riverhouse, Taylor, I think, like, you know, you know, good thing to put it in there, but come on, like, everyone's, everyone trying out this game is already gonna have a Found Family in the game. TTRPGs in general is a Found Family. <laughs> but we have those, those situations... All in all, I think this is a wonderful system that I can't wait to try out. I think we'll end these Patreon-exclusive episodes until they go on the live feed, because, you know, thank you for supporting us on the Patreon, but everyone deserves to hear this. Get excited about it, you know, clamor out for this is a game about fishing. So, I think we'd end these episodes by me talking about my general ideas Kind of, it's a nice, fun little sneak peek that you get to when you might see this game again on our show. So I think we'd go with. I I'm thinking about doing this as relatively as soon as possible. I just I just can't because I'm running three different campaigns right now. So I'm a little a little ass for time. But I think I can get a small group together, and I'm thinking something like a akin to Stardew Valley. I think something where you're small knit community, and a Stardew Valley, but you take out the plentiful that's in that game, and to see if you still come together as a community over an an overbearer, uh, uh, a technocratic oligarch, or a a, a corporate oligarchy and see if you can bound together, if not through the means of capitalism like you do in Stardew Valley. You know, it's all to, you know, gain gain credit and then spend that credit as is capitalism. But to find a way to defeat capitalism. So I can't wait to see that. So be sure to be on the lookout for our playthrough of This is a Game About Fishing by Riverhouse Games. You can go to riverhousegames.itch.io if you don't. Go on to itch.io if you don't. We, it's where we get most of our games. It's where most of the games I find for the podcast. Um, so go to riverhousegames.itch.io if you want to look at this is a game about fishing, please do. Uh, if you can test it before us, go ahead. Who cares? I, I'm not going to be jealous. I'll be a little jealous, but I'm pretending not to be. It's called Reverse Psychology. So thank you all for listening to this control group preview instead of our review, as what I think we'll call it. Our Patreon-exclusive preview of Riverhouse Games. This is a game about fishing.
Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.